0: This episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. So this is our last Outlander podcast out, yeah, for um, the month of April. Right? Yes,
1: that's right. I think so. Uh, yes, I- actually, uh, well,
0: close. close, second to last, <laughs> maybe last. But I did want to remind you that the greatest deal I have on my website at MinuteWithMary um, is my April br- Bundle. It is $450 of full-size products from my website, all about just loving on yourself. We all need it, right? We're all going through a lot right now. So I've got my hydrating face mask, my rose water toner, some cleansing cloths, some of my favorite makeup, including my best-selling mascaras. $450 worth of product for just $99. And because I love you guys so much, I'm throwing in an extra $25 coupon. I want you to get the best bargain. I know finances are tight for everybody, but I do think that, you know, putting on a little bit of makeup helps me feel better about my myself, and I hope that it could do that for you. So if you'd like more information, you can head on over and search the hashtag Minute with Mary. Find me on Facebook. I want to give you the hookup. Please never feel weird about contacting me on social media. I'm just a normal person trying to hook you up with the greatest deal. If I were to tell Jeremiah my story, our story, would he feel for me? You can't make someone love you. Well, I've heard the expression, learn to love. Perhaps you could learn to love me for the sake of
1: our son. I think I could learn to love you. When you came
0: to me in the jail, told me that there would be something left of me on this earth. I couldn't forget how that made me feel. It wasn't for revenge or for money.
1: So will you teach me how to love?
0: I'll wait for you. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars.
1: Sing me a song of Alaska gone.
0: My name is Mary Larson.
1: My name is Blake, and I don't have the coronavirus. Don't have it. Nope. It's out.
0: I mean, don't that we know it. of. We'll know like one hundred percent for yeah, sure next week. Negative. But he tested negatively. So tested negative, good. ladies and gents. So, if you listened to Cheers the, to that.
1: Yeah, Cheers. If you listened to the listener feedback episode last week, you knew that I had to self isolate for a little bit, uh, just because a coworker, actually a couple of coworkers of mine, tested positive. So I'm home, I'm out of the basement. Oh, technically I'm in the basement right now. But I'm out of the basement, I'm out of the dungeon. I'm with my wife, I'm with my children. All is well. I'm able to sleep in my own bed. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, all is well in my world. So I'm very, 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 very excited about that.
0: And we are thrilled to be able to come and talk about this episode. We did need to delay it. Blake had a headache not involved with the coronavirus, just probably from the stress of being locked in the basement and worried about what was happening to him. That's probably true. Um, But we, of course, are a day late. Not a dollar short, <laughs> and we are so so excited to be able to talk about this episode. This episode, in case you haven't got the memo, guys, was crazy for us book readers and for show watchers, crazy too. But you don't even know why it was so crazy for us. Our
1: minds were blown. Yeah, this was this was um, an interesting episode.
0: Hey, look at you using that word.
1: <laughs> and I, I'm not meaning that in a negative way. Like no, how we kind of, how we kind of do that. Yeah, normally. But, um, yeah, it's an, it was an interesting episode. I agree. Uh, I think a lot of things happened. I mean, a lot of things happened. Mm-hmm. I, I remember as we were watching it, Mary, you were saying, I feel like this episode's an hour and a half long.
0: Yeah, I kept saying, I feel like this is a movie. So many things have happened, and we're only like... Forty minutes in, fifty minutes in. Yes. How has this much stuff happened? Um, and as I said, and I'll and I'm going to say it once again, prefacing, prefacing uh, that all book readers, we know that this was kind of crazy. They took things from book six and was just like here. Like I'll let the, you know what I mean. I'll let the cat in the bag. Bonnet Bonnet doesn't die now. <laughs> so um, for this to happen now, it makes us all go, oh, oh, okay. And I'll and I love when the show does this. I know it's not everybody's favorite thing. I love when the show trips me up. It's like we're confident. We're like we know what's happening. We know. Nope, didn't see that one coming. All right, hold no. on, buckle up.
1: Yep. Nope. Uh, hold on tight, Spider Monkey. Yes. Yeah, so Seriously. of course,
0: remember we don't have any spoilers in this conversation regarding as a book spoiler. Well, you Nor- just
1: dropped a bomb on people who hadn't read the books yet.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, like, that's not, it would have been a spoiler if, like, last episode I say, Bonnet dies. Okay. You know? Yeah, I know, but it,
1: it, just in terms of book spoilers Bonnet kidnaps
0: Bree. Like, yeah, that would have been a spoiler. But I'm just telling you that that's why if your friends are book friends and they're saying, this was crazy, it's taking a little bit for my, me to, rem, you know, wind my mind around it. What is that phrase? Wrap my Wrap, not wind. <laughs>
1: Hey, not how many trulies have you been drinking? Oh, not enough. Not <laughs> enough, my
0: friend. So before we get into this show, of course, we wanted to invite you um, to check out um, myself and Blake on social media. Make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all with the title Mary and Blake. Don't forget that we are going to be you know, co- creating content now through Droughtlander, whether it's Outlander related or other shows or books that we find fascinating. Um, and that's one of the great things about the Outlander fandom is that we can find other things that we love and. Bring us joy throughout the darkness of Droughtlander. <laughs> so make sure you find us there. Um, and now let's get into the show. Great, like kick things off.
1: Well, the title was Mercy Shall Follow Me. For this episode and the writer was um, a brand new writer, as a matter of fact, Megan Farrell Burke. Now you definitely do not know that name. That's because she is brand new to the Outlander staff. Uh, for season five, this is her first year. As a matter of fact, she's just a lowly staff writer. When I say lowly, I don't mean like she's not a good writer. I mean like it's just that's the entry level position for someone who is ready to start taking on their own credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so usually when you're a staff writer, you don't get credit at all. You're just there to help support the real the real writers who get credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so for television writers, this is a this is a first step in an entry level or uh, or in that kind of position. It's uh, it's not as glorious as it really kind of seems. It doesn't like I said, doesn't receive credit. But this is the proving ground for people who are looking to make their mark Mm -hmm. on a television series or it's a proving ground for someone who's like, I really like this. I like this other show that I really, really like but I can't get on that show as a staff writer. I'm going to go work on this show as a staff writer and then I'm going to get my, I'm going to graduate up a level to become a real writer and then I'll get the credits. Or if some, it's for someone like Richard Kahan. Remember Richard Kahan? Yeah. So he was a staff writer. Okay. And he was a personal assistant to Iris Stephen Bear. Yeah. Then later on, in season two, I believe he actually wrote "Untimely Resurrection." Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, and he uh, he, he got his first credit for, for Outlander, and that's how that works. So, you know, it's it's basically uh, an entry to the writing world for uh, for any kind of new writer. Uh, and the director was Andy Griffin. Andy Griffin, I think, who did a fantastic fantastic freaking job on this episode. Annie Griffin is uh, also a relative newcomer to Outlander. She's only directed one other episode of Outlander, and that was last episode, Monsters and Heroes. Mm-hmm. And that is that, Marvin.
0: I love it. I love it. I love learning all these things and kind of seeing how the Outlander family grows within the production stuff, within within the people we don't get to see on screen. You know what I mean? Um, so let's get on into this. All right, kilt rating. Bring it on. Dun, 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 dun. I'm giving this episode, if I can work this tablet, <laughs> I'm giving this episode um a 5. Really? Not a 5 plus like last week, but a solid 5.
1: Okay. Yes. Well, wh- why why the difference?
0: Um last week just brought me like all the joy and all the feels and um I don't know. I just I just I just felt so many different things last week. And this week, I just felt straight anxious. Mm-hmm. Like, that was it. And I'm already an anxious person. Plus, it's a <laughs> pandemic. So, I can't give it that extra, like, yeah, I'm going to want to have have this on every single day in the background. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a great episode. It wasn't one that I would skip. Obviously, I'm giving it a five, which is, like, the <laughs> highest you can do. Um, but it's not getting the plus. Sure. Sure. But it was it was very good.
1: Okay, uh, for myself, I'm getting a four seven five. Uh, I enjoyed seeing Ed Spilliers as Stephen Bonnet uh, finally uh, getting some real, uh, some real stuff to this, uh, some real, some some real work from him uh, as as an actor and as a character for Stephen Bonnet. I, you get a you get a, a somewhat of a sense for the guy in this episode. Uh, finally, getting to spend some time with him. Mm-hmm. getting a little bit more understanding of his character. But um, I can't help but think that Bonnet, you know, being such a terrifying figure within the Outlander universe, yeah. and trust me, he is, he's just gone too quickly. He, he came and he went. Uh, and I find that a little frustrating because I would have liked to have spent more time with him as a character. And I think it's somewhat of a missed opportunity to just, at the end of this episode... Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, I think that's a missed opportunity. Uh, so that because of that, and for some other reasons that are that are within the text of it itself, I'm giving it a 475. Okay. Uh, what do you got for your GBG? You're good, you're bad, and you're great.
0: Okay. So I put that on my phone. So excuse me for a second. Do you have your GBG so you could pull it up before I do? I do. Good. All Go right. Go for it.
1: So for me, the good, obviously, was uh, Ed Spoliers. And Ed Spoliers, in this episode... Really, really brought it, and mm-hmm. I loved his conversation that he had that we actually played at the beginning of this episode. Um, where the one he, where he's saying, "I feel like you could learn to love me," and I, I, I mean, I guess I could learn to love you too. Mm-hmm. I, I just that acting moment when he stops and he just and then he and then he walks up to brain he, he's right next to her in her ear, and I I really believed him when he was saying. Oh, my God, when you told me I had something of myself, yeah. th- this made me change as a person. Mm-hmm. And, my God, I, I just, you know, I got shades of the garrison commander in this episode. This is not the garrison commander, but uh, I got shades of it, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, The bad for me, and this is why this is not the garrison commander the bad is that i understand that S- stephen bonnet is a straight-up sociopath if not at that at the very least a psychopath i get that um, but stephen bonnet as a character is not dumb he's his his world is a complicated world he's gone this far in his life si- pri- primarily because he is not dumb. He is made, I mean, within his, within his world, right, mm-hmm. the criminal world, he's made the right moves. And he's got himself to a status where he can take advantage of a lot of important people. You don't get that by being stupid. And for him to not be, to be able to read Brie properly as they are interacting doesn't feel honest. To that character uh, and the fact that it takes a kiss for him to recognize it recognize that she's been lying to him this whole time and I'll be real watching that kiss I was like well, it's pretty be- pretty
0: believable like I've seen kisses like that on TV yep. and it's supposed to be in love it would be different if she was making like an ew kind of face
1: yes she tr- um,
0: meaning she tried Brie gave it The good old college try At making it A believable kiss Right
1: right Reminds um, me of
0: my first kiss So
1: <laughs> Not with me right No not okay, with good. you <laughs> Um. Again, it just, it takes a kiss for him to, like, if he's emotionally intelligent enough to understand a kiss and the meaning behind that and what it takes for her to give him a good kiss, he can't recognize the fact that she is just totally uncomfortable and totally not on board with anything that he's saying the entire time. He knows
0: about body language. I don't
1: know. I just, the way that he was treating her throughout the episode, it makes me believe that he was believing her. Uh, that she was like, okay, I'll go get Jimmy, and we'll we'll come back, and it'll be great, and it just seemed like, okay, I believe you. All right, this is great. And then he kisses her.
0: We'll talk and, about that some and more. Then I,
1: the reason why I say this because as as viewers, if we can understand that Brie is lying, if we if we can obviously see it, regardless of how much we know her,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Bonnet should be able to do that too. I
0: mean, Bonnet's crazy though, honey. That's a yeah. problem with crazy people. You can't uncrazy them. And they can't always see things the way that we see them.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just... I I, I mean, I, I get... I, I, again, and you know when
0: you've talked yourself into really liking a person, and it's just really not meant to happen, but you're like, maybe.
1: Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's an argument to be made there that he is just in such a position uh, in wanting to have Jemmy for the sake of the money that he's convinced himself that Brie does like him.
0: Well, and... We'll, we'll talk about this we're getting let's yeah, yeah, get yeah, through yeah. the Sorry. GBGs right, and then
1: my great is everything about the end the ending was
0: wow the ending the ending meaning bonnet drowning and bonnet drow- like, like, shooting him
1: it's you know again it, it, what's so important to a show is setting and showing me something that I've never seen before uh, the show nailed setting in so many different capacities we'll get into it. but the ending seeing a man put to death by drowning and how it was done with his arms up, mm-hmm. the water slowly rising, but not only that and seeing and seeing bonnet like scream out being like ah, you know like yes uh, but not only that having Bree be the one to kill him. and here's the most important part to not hold your hand about why she did it. They went they went down that territory. They towed the line of being like a little too much. All right, here's mm-hmm, why. Mm-hmm. With Roger asking the question, but she doesn't even answer him and she walks away uh, as to whether or not it was mercy or just making sure that he was dead. And leaving it up to the viewer to understand and to their own interpretation is a thing of gold. Give me that every day, all day. And I loved... Oh, Ed Spoliers. You know what? I, I have to do this. I give, have it, to, give it to I get,
0: give it, Give it, I'll baby. It. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes me want to show.
1: Ed Spoliers with his face as he sees Bri- Brianna. And off camera, Brianna walking up with a rifle in her hand. His face was absolute fracking gold. Mm-hmm. Oh, whew. Okay, you you know I like me some some bad guys, so I'm I'm right. gonna go off. Okay, okay, go ahead.
0: My GBG. First off, and I love that ours are so different. I just love this, and this is one of the things that I need to preface this episode with. This episode, you can I think. I think I can tell it was a different writer because this episode was all upon your personal interpretation. This episode was left you asking questions mm-hmm. like, why did they do that? Was he being honest? Was he playing a game all along? Was it Mercy because she shot him or was it because she wanted to, you know, kill him herself? These are all questions that we are meant to leave with and meant to answer on our own. I don't think that there's, a, you know, Diana Gabaldon-Yes could probably come out and say it was this or that, um, But I think that this is something that's really exciting as a show watcher and even as a book reader who's watching this as a show is to kind of have these questions to yourself um, and to answer them for yourself. So I don't think anybody's right or wrong.
1: By the way, just wanted to call this out. We're we're obviously broadcasting live as we're recording this podcast. So everybody listening, thank you very much. Everybody watching, thank you very much. We just passed 410 people. Yeah. We, meet, we met our goal of 410 people watching us live. So Thank I'm very you guys. excited. And about don't forget,
0: that. click share if you're watching us on Mary and Blake Media, on Facebook, YouTube, Outlander Cast on Twitter. You can share all those venues. If you are in the Outlander Cast Clan gathering, you can't share because it's a closed group, but you can invite your friends and tag them. Yes. So, all right. GBGs, my GBGs, my good, my bad, and my great. My good was Jocasta's absolute utter joy giving away all of her fortune. <laughs> Who is she? Is she Oprah? Like no joke, she was like, and baby gets money, and then you know she doesn't even call it baby felicity, just like and the baby gets money, and you know Fergus gets this, and oh my favorite was when she said, I even wrote it down because I loved it so much when she was talking about Ian, like she just felt all the feels for Ian, uh, it it made me it made me smile, um, <laughs> <laughs> she says, um, oh God, where is it? Oh, e- young Ian, bless him. <laughs>
1: right like how stinking
0: sweet young ian bless him he needs what no two thousand dollars <laughs> and he just made me feel like oprah yeah. she was just over the top giddy all the extra <laughs>
1: you get pounds and you get pounds. seriously everybody oh. gets pounds
0: <laughs> it's my... it's oprah oh, i love it um okay so my bad same scene fancy pippin went crazy and it felt very awkward Like, he just kind of snapped out of nowhere in a way that, like, yeah, yeah, like the the ring took over (laughs) his brain. Lord of the Rings references going all throughout this, for those of you who don't know, because the character... He's actually the same character as Pippin Um, So But yeah he just went like really crazy And I didn't fully believe him As that I mean I guess people snap And this was his way of snapping Obviously he snapped he tried to kill her With the most gorgeous pillow Pippin please have better choice in ways to kill people Um, Am I great And this is something simple But I loved it Brie and Claire at the beach. Um, Oh, yes. Just those moments together. And once again, weaving in that time travel aspect. Oh, we don't get to see this anymore because of the pollution and how great that we get to see these whales. And, you know, we did get to see a museum and I got to I got to see a whale once when we lived in New England. Um, And I did also love the moments between the guys. Like I liked how the guys and the gals had their own separate time just to have those sweet moments. You know, you had Roger talking with Jamie about, no, I'm going to be the one that kills him. I really liked those moments but if I had to pick it would have been the Claire and Brie moment on the beach and just they're like remember running on the beach it's just they've got all this heaviness going on in their lives and it reminded me of now like we've got major stuff going on now Mm -hmm. um, but finding those moments of joy and simplicity really can do so much and that's what it made me think and that's why it was my great
1: yes yes excellent Um, we actually have a a, a listener here uh, say uh, let's see where was it Oh, Okay, so Andrea Norman on YouTube is saying, not a book reader, but should we be worried that Killing Bonnet, a book early, is Outlander trying to wrap up the series sooner? Mary, what do you think about that? Let's just get into Bonnet, Killing Bonnet, and the whole thing. Let's just do it right away.
0: Oh, all right. Um, So do I think that's going to be wrapping up the series sooner? So this is the thing is they've only been promised up through six seasons of Mm -hmm. Outlander. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that doesn't mean that it has to be book six. You know what I mean? They can kind of pull things that they want to pull if it's going to be a series wrap, which of course would be heartbreaking for all of us. We love these characters. We love these actors. We love the show. But we haven't been promised anything further than that. By the studio, mm-hmm. um, so I don't necessarily see a problem with them wrapping up this bonnet plot pot, plot line early, um, even though it was in book six, because there is a ton of stuff to be, uh, to be had in book six. So, right, that's that's my two cents. I do feel like Ed Spilliers is such an amazing actor that for him to kind of be. Dragged along. There were there were things that he did in the books even before now that kind of sprinkled him in in ways that we kind of got to see um, tastes of it, and you would just kind of be getting more of those little tastes if that makes sense. Okay. So I think them killing Bonnet now is fine. I do.
1: Do you think it's fine in terms of the story itself, or do you think it's fine that they're they're moving it up just to for the sake of moving it up to get to other things? Both. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah,
0: I think it's fine.
1: So do you think the whole thing with Bonnet this season, how it led up to him, how the final confrontation, did it feel natural to you? Did it work for you overall?
0: Yes, it did. Okay. The key was always there. Yes. And then we've got this, as I said, in the book, it is more drawn out. And there's this is a much longer process. Mm-hmm. But if we're looking at it by the show... Um, I did. I enjoyed it. And I think that these next two episodes are going to be just as anxious and fast paced. So I I wouldn't have said, oh, push it to the finale or push it later or leave it like we we needed to have. And think about it. We actually killed two villainous people in this episode. You know, we killed Forbes and Bonnet. Sure. So um, there's there's still things to be had in season six. And I think that that's probably what people are kind of like, Okay, the bad guy has gone. Now what? You know, it's like now. What do
1: we do? Yeah, part of part of me as as a show watcher only. Listen, I want. All right, the killing Stephen Bonnet off, and this is kind of getting into my my old English theory. So I won't I won't go into it fully. But but killing Stephen Bonnet off in episode ten to me feels a little early. It feels like okay. You know what it reminds me of? Here's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the final season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. The big battle of Winterfell and then all of a sudden, uh, spoiler alert, um, all of the uh, all of the White Walkers are dead. You know nothing, Jon Snow.
0: That was not okay to drop that.
1: So what, it was, But I know what you mean. It, it, was a, it, it was a social zeitgeist. I'm sure everybody here has seen it and if they haven't seen it yet, they aren't going to watch
0: probably, it. Yeah.
1: So it just all of a sudden, the White Walkers, White Walkers, White Walkers, White Walkers, and then all of a sudden they were gone.
0: And then you sit there and you say, but there's still more episodes of this show.
1: And like, what are we doing? Like, where are we going with this? And you know what? I think there was an an argument to be made at the time that- This is what I'll say
0: to you. For anyone who's feeling this way, like, oh my gosh, they killed Stephen Bonnet. That was kind of quick. I didn't expect him to die already. What the heck? What are we going to do for the next two episodes? I want to say this. Have you enjoyed season five so far?
1: I've enjoyed the, I've, I've especially enjoyed the back half.
0: So, that being said, you've enjoyed the back half. I think you will enjoy the back half. Have faith.
1: Uh, yeah, no, no, I, and, and listen, listen. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not just saying this to
0: you. I'm saying this to anybody who may be sitting there saying, well, now what? Trust me, just like in Game of Thrones, we got rid of the White Walkers and then we had to deal with the issues between all the humans, okay? Yeah. Um, so, there's still, there's still some other things to deal with so don't worry
1: right uh, and and I, I appreciate that so I, I think there's a couple of things that we have to talk about here that, that we have to break it down one um, are there other things that they can get to uh, especially uh, for the final two episodes I would say this is probably uh, in my estimation this feels a little bit of like a, an unconventional move killing your main bad guy in the one that you've been building to for two seasons killing him in episode 10 of a 12-episode season. I think that's an unconventional move. I'm willing to go along to get along because Matt Roberts so far- You will reevaluate.
0: Yeah, you will reevaluate at the end of the season to say, was the timing of killing Bonnet proper?
1: uh, Matt Roberts so far has done a great job, especially in the back half. So I'm willing to go along the ride that he's giving me. I'm not going to take the story out of his hands. However, I will say this. I wish I got to spend more time with him. I wish I wish I got more of more of the uh, and Bonnet you, and Bree stuff.
0: I think that was because of Ed Spileers, in my personal opinion. I've never been a fan of like reading Bonnet.
1: Mm-hmm. I just
0: haven't enjoyed him. You know, like you can enjoy villains. I mean, you love reading and, and watching villains. I haven't loved reading Bonnet. He just makes me sick. Mm-hmm. But Ed Spileers gave him this this magic where you're like, you can't stop watching. It's like when you drive by an accident and you say, don't look, don't look. And then you start to look and you're like, oh, I'm slowing down traffic, but I'm <laughs> yeah. curious. Ed Spallier's made me even more curious about Stephen Bonnet. And because of that, I mourn him. I mourn him as a character on my screen that gave different insight um, and filled out this character that I didn't love. I didn't love Stephen Bonnet just because I For all sorts of reasons, I don't like his character. It's not that he was poorly written at all. Mm -hmm. I just don't like him.
1: So um, I think I'm entranced by Ed Spilliers the same way that I was entranced by Tobias Menzies. Like Blackjack Randall, I think in the show, is a far greater character than he was in the books. I've read the first two books. So I feel like I have a pretty good insight on that character in both book and show. He was a far better character in the show. And he was made even better by Tobias Menzies. So when I when I'm talking about Stephen Bond, I think I'm really talking about Spilliers and the gravitas that he has and the kind of charisma that he has on screen. So
0: let's do this. Ed Spaliers is now done with Outlander. Yes. Let's all make sure that we follow him on social media and like send him a message being like, RIP, but you were awesome. You took a character that I really didn't care for. A he was terrible as a human being. But B, I just didn't enjoy him that much. And you made me look forward to seeing you on screen. You made me look forward to seeing what he could do. So just you know, just know that like Ed Spilliers is probably a little bummed that he's done with this, you know, great show. And Mm -hmm. people obviously love him as this character because we all love to hate him. Um, And we are keep our eyes on him. I did not know, just from watching him on Downton Abbey, I did not know that he was capable of this level of acting. And I am definitely going to be following him as an actor. Your
1: boy boy Jimmy uh, on Downton Abbey, he was one thing. Stephen Bonnet. A totally different thing. So
0: I think there's much, much in store for Ed Spolias, and I think he's going to enjoy, um, you know, staying in contact with the Outlander community. I think
1: so too. I and and I, I wonder if there's an opportunity for him later on in flashback episodes or haunting bits uh, where he can come in for a day, do a day's worth of work, and then head off to whatever else he's doing. Kind of like how Tobias Menzies has done. Maybe we can interview him now that he's dead. Oh yes, like Outlander.
0: that's who i want oh
1: my god that's fantastic what else is he doing right now (laughs) jimmy ain't doing nothing i don't know what he's doing but he ain't doing he ain't doing anything in particular right now um so are you happy with how they handled his death like uh uh, are you happy with the choice that that the writers made in having brie kill him the way that she did and leaving it up to our interpretation
0: Yes, can I tell you guys something? I know we don't like often yes. talk
1: books. Okay.
0: In the books, Bree tries to shoot him at some point. Okay. <laughs> and she shoots his balls. Oh my
1: god, oh my god Mary! <laughs> uh, and it's
0: like talked about. Someone's like talking about like sewing up some guy's testicles. So in the Outlander cookbook, um, is Bonnet salty balls and they're like pretzel salty chocolate balls which are actually very delicious but for people who are show watchers you may come to that part and be like I don't understand why
1: oh, <laughs> man. so I know we
0: don't usually drop like book things but obviously it's not going to happen on screen and I just thought for those of you who do have the cookbook or maybe you want to order it while you're in quarantine that you'd be like why why are bonnet balls
1: salty balls <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i think they were actually given to diana um i think they were actually given to diana by the author like as like a, oh hi i'm writing a book is it okay if i get your blessing here mm. upon salty balls yeah and diana was like
1: <laughs> wow that's great wow <laughs> thank you <laughs> um so here here's another question i got for you did you pivot did, that was a pivot uh it well kind of yeah uh it, it wasn't a big league pivot it was a, it was a minor league pivot we'll go with that
0: but you were asking am I okay that bree ended up shooting him
1: uh yeah uh, and are you okay with them leaving it up to interpretation yes okay uh why did you like it them leaving it up to to interpretation as opposed to knowing
0: well once again show being show I think that this episode in particular, Left us having our own interpretations, mm-hmm. um, and I find that very exciting. I find that very exciting, especially in times like now, where we get to discuss things like a show that we love with friends online and say, "Well, what did you think?" and "What did you think?" So, Blake, I will ask you this: What do you think? Bree killed him to make sure he was dead because he was such a tricky little rat, or to give him mercy?
1: I would say both.
0: Ooh. I would say
1: both. I don't think you have to choose. I don't think. I don't think it's important to choose. And I don't think it's important to choose because Brie knows and we don't have to. Um, That's what the story is. You know, I I always, one of my favorite endings ever is the Sopranos ending. And the Sopranos ending was one, um, and if you haven't seen it by now, you're never going to see it. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, They're in the middle of this diner and all of a sudden the screen cuts to black. That's Mm -hmm. it. And there's music playing and the screen cuts to black. Everybody, when they were watching it, thought their TVs broke. Yeah. Because it was like, black and I loved it. And a lot of people hated it because it was like, what the hell? We don't know what happens mm-hmm. to these people. It just, that's cuts how to Roger's black.
0: feeling right now. He's like, you, you didn't even answer me. That would have gone right up me. Oh my gosh. And Blake doesn't answer me when I ask him questions. I'm like, D- did you hear me? I was ready for Roger to be like, Brie, I just asked you a question.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I just shoot him.
1: <laughs> um, so as it relates to the, uh, uh, to the Sopranos, It was left into interpretation what happened to this family. Um, And I liked it because it didn't matter. At that point, when the screen goes black, the story ends. It it doesn't matter. The story of that family that you're watching for The Sopranos is ended. That's the end. And the same thing goes, I think, for this. Um, I like the fact that it doesn't matter what we think it matters what Bree thinks and Bree is comfortable knowing what she believes so when I have to make my own head for it I anticipated saying both I think it's I think it's a little bit of mercy because she probably felt bad for him in some way like you know when she grabs that that doll uh, that he that he has made for what his
0: the heck? Right, weird creepiest dolls ever puppets <laughs> uh, are so creepy
1: um but
0: Dolly Popple. Oh, it made me think of all the creepy things hanging in the Polar Express movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're oh, talking about. Oh, Gosh! Um,
0: Look at all these nice trinkets I got him. I would have been like, this is the worst.
1: Right. So in my own head canon, she she chooses both because I think she did feel bad for him. She when she grabs that doll and she looks at him, you could see it in her in in Sophie Skelton's face. It's like, whoa! I did not anticipate this. Maybe this guy is. Like, for real. Like, maybe this is what he's saying. Maybe he really believes it. So I, and he, he, of course, he tells her about the dream that he has, mm-hmm. that he's alone. And because, of, when you start weighing all this, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a little bit of mercy. But then the other part is, this guy has been hunting her for, for a long time. And he has put her through some serious trauma. And now this is finally, finally, Bree has agency in this show. It's not a bunch of dudes sitting around talking about how, oh, Bonnet's done this and Bonnet's done that and you gotta kill him and I gotta kill him. We gotta go get him. Brie finally turns around and says, nope, taking this in my own hands. I got Mm -hmm. this. Everybody just F off. I got this. I'm I'm taking care of it. Yes. So that's how I feel about that.
0: Awesome. Um, I dig it.
1: But yeah, the dolls, the whole interaction between Brie and... And Bonnet. And Bonnet. Was a, and this is why I think I said the interesting aspect um, of this episode. Because I feel like Brie was obviously lying to him the entire time.
0: Sophie Skelton brought her acting. She did. Oh, dang. I think it's my
1: favorite Brie episode so far. Do you think the show, the emotional math, added? Up for both of the characters. Do you think like Bonnet I don't really was, know what you're, you're asking? Do you think Bonnet was acting in a uh in a in a genuine way? Yes. And do you think he honestly believed Bree? Mm,
0: I think he was 50-50. I think he was waiting to like kiss her to find out. I think he was hopeful. I do think he's crazy. And I think that he's known he's had a son all this time, which is messing with him. Of course, he's an orphan. I do think there are elements of him that you know started to trick his brain you know how you plant those little seeds in your own brain you dream things up like what if i start this career what if i start this job and then you start to kind of like dream it up and then you find out oh it's totally possible and Mm -hmm. you're gonna get loads of money you know so he he knew he had a son or he thought he had a son um it's rogers back off Come on, leave leave, leave little Jamie alone. Um, and that he came with a load of cash that would be pretty much in his name because he's the daddy and he has people backing him up. So all of this combined, heck, if he can end up getting his dream of being a gentleman, because that's one of the things, I don't think we've had that idea woven in enough that Bonnet really wants to be high class. He wants this money because he wants to be this upper echelon.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point, Mary. So
0: it was kind of like, added in now where we're sitting there saying, whoa, 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 this is a lot. You know, he, he he actually cares about being fancy, but we've got to see him hanging with fancier people, dressing fancy. You know, he, he does care about his appearance and he does care kind of, you know, what some people think of him when it comes to the hierarchy of um, society. Sure. So knowing that he could get a son, a wife, and a ton of money and automatically be high society in a place that he's established himself as a well-known person. Um, I think he's he's told himself a lot of these lies as like a hope. Sure. As in, and once again, this is up to complete personal interpretation. You could be sitting there saying, this is just Bonnet playing a game. I mean, Bonnet's literally played cat and mouse with these people for as long as we've known him Sure But to me I saw it as believable um, And I think that the show Wanted us to kind of Feel that way a bit
1: Yeah we have a listener here Debbie She's saying Mary you're too nice He doesn't want He doesn't want um, To care about the kid He doesn't It's just about The, the money, money The money As Brie notes Would you Agree with that Or do you think That is um, A little too harsh On Stephen Bonnet The character Alright
0: Alright so, I have several friends who are adopted. Okay. And when it comes to the topic of having their own family, several of them have gotten very, very emotional uh, in a way that like I don't normally see in other families. Several of them have had difficulties with that um because when I think when you have that kind of now mind you, I wasn't adopted, so I can't talk about this personally. but you know, he was orphaned. Like he didn't have parents. So I think that there's probably this portion of him that is being honest, that he can have a family, that he does have a son and that he says it in the show, you know, he didn't have a father figure to help raise him. Mm-hmm. And he wants to be that for a Jemmy. So I took from that seeing different things that I've seen in my own life with different friends about difficulties with struggling with the concept of family Sure, as I, I believed him. And once again, I, <laughs>
1: I may, I may not be right. Right. And that's the beauty of what I think uh, Megan Farrell Burke does here. Uh, um, okay. Setting aside whether or not uh, Stephen Bonnet is emotionally intelligent enough to understand that Bree is, is lying the entire time. You at least have this discussion within the community with, with yourself as a viewer. You have this discussion as with yourself as, is Bonnet being genuine? Is he really being the kind of person? I think it's it's
0: selfishness. I don't, genuine, I think he wants to have a son. I think he wants to have all, first and foremost, he wants all that money. He wants the money and the prestige. His son comes along with it. Cool. We'll try this out. Um, You know, it's it's all selfishness. I don't think it's for Jemmy's sake. It's for his own sake. It's for a void that he's had in his life.
1: Yeah, but I, and I I thought, oh, that's a good, that, you know, I was just about not to argue with you, but I was just about to, contradict you a little bit in that you were saying it's not about jemmy it's not it's more about the money it's this and that and i was going to disagree with you because there was this one moment when he does say to brie when you said to me there was something else that was going to be left of me after i was gone yeah i really believe him in that moment and i really believe um i really believe that he felt that way but then you said very smartly there was a void in his life and Jemmy and the money and everything that potentially fills the void
0: now mind you this does not mean oh my goodness he's so great he just wants to be a dad no he's still the scum of the earth he's doing this selfishly. Selfishly. Selfishly, he wants to be a dad. He has this void in his life. Selfishly, he wants this money so he can gain this status in society. I do not like this man. I love it. Spilliers is an actor. I don't like this man, but I do think that he talked himself into this dream world yes, that absolutely. so many people put in our own minds. How many of us, when we were young, dreamed that we were going to be rich and live in a big house and have a family who loved us and, you know, whatever. Like, there's probably that little, little English- inside of him that wants the great the great American dream, right? Um, and here you go. It's already made for you. You just have to steal Brie and take a baby. And
1: the funny thing is, too, like, so there's there's I think there's an argument to be made here. Um, one where I kind of wanted Bonnet to be hurt by Brie. Like, he says he is hurt by her, but, like, not do the whole prostitute thing and See, so like, this is what you're going to be missing. Oh. You know, like, uh, that was just, that was a little too big. I mean. That was Bonnet. That was Bonnet doing what a sociopath and a psychopath would do. Like, yeah, this is what you're going to be missing. But part of me, there's that one little bit of me that wanted him to not do that. And to be genuinely hurt by I didn't Brie. want him to do that. I don't know. What, what I'm saying is. What I'm saying is, like, really go all in with the fact that he wanted things to work with Brie, and she's the one who pushes him to a point where he's like, okay, you, I can't do this with you, uh, and he tries to sell her off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tries to give her away.
0: Before that all happens, though, we get the whole dinner thing.
1: Yeah, what do you think about the dinner thing?
0: Okay, so... First and foremost, tale as old as time. Did anyone else think about Beauty and the Beast?
1: Yes, absolutely. I was even getting shades of, <laughs> of Hannibal too. Remember when Hannibal Lecter and Clarice have dinner and they're oh eating my the God. guy's brain?
0: That is much more appropriate. That
1: is what I was. I was getting some serious Hannibal. So Chris It was
0: like, "Oh, I've got a present for you," and it turns out to be this like yellow dress. Awesome, and she looks amazing. And he's awkward at dinner, and she has to tell him how to eat. And all I kept thinking was Belle teaching first. You know, Belle at the Top when the music to Beauty and the Beast starts and she starts to walk down the staircase. So when you know the servant opened the door, mm-hmm. that's what I felt like. Mrs. Potts was gonna pop out of somewhere <laughs> <laughs> singing. And then he, you know, like tries to figure out how to have her seat. And I was ready for him to pick up a soup bowl like the the beast does and <laughs>
1: <laughs> But
0: instead she still had to teach him. You know, that's when that's when it clicked for her. Yes. When he said, you know, can you teach me about, you know, how to be in high society and elbows off the elbows table. Elbows off the table yeah. and she's getting kind of like alpha a little bit. However, one of my favorite lines was when she said I could never think any less of you oh and yeah and you know what that was to me yep that was Frank
1: ooh good one Mary okay bam a <laughs> winner
0: Frank knows how to throw shade oh. like no other Frank in a was way that savage. people don't even know no Frank was savage what was, was the I had low ex-
1: I, I had low expectations from the beginning and you certainly met them oh, oh when they couldn't find Claire in season 2 oh, oh.
0: oh p frank Woo! randall
1: frank, frank, frank is right there above my speaker always always watching just for this very moment also you, you know what no 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 what? no no oh, what I, i'm
0: so happy that you're proud of me
1: i, I am so proud of you <laughs> i am so proud of you that i'm trying to find the damn the damn sound here it is this is for frank Thank you, Frank. And thank you, Mary, for bringing him up in this discussion because you, you know, know she what?
0: didn't get her lying or that sass was from Claire. You know she didn't. Claire's a terrible liar. Yep. It's been brought up many times. Yep. You know, and here's like secret agent Frank Randall, who probably had like sass competitions with. <laughs> With Bray, you know what I mean? In addition to like teaching her how to shoot and yep. ride horses, he was probably like, all right, now I'm going to teach you some important things, how to throw shade when the person you're talking to doesn't even know. I could oh, never think any man. less of you. Can I, I need to use that one at some point in life. I
1: know. I think I've used that once in real life. Really? I think I, I, think I used it once in real life. It was something to do with work. I couldn't think. I can't remember I can never what it think was.
0: Any less of you? Uh,
1: oh, I think that was that was great. Good stuff, Mir. Way to bring that.
0: <laughs> you're you're welcome. Way to bring that. You are welcome. Killing it today. Absolutely. Oh, it, you know it. it's this is what happens, man. What happens when we we right, when we're chilling?
1: Um. So I think we've we've discovered a lot about Bonnet and, and Bree in this episode. Is there anything else that you want to? I mean,
0: really, we, the question, the thing that I love is that all of us get to ask ourselves, Was Bonnet being honest? was brie merciful um and you know we all get to leave with that but we're missing a lot of people in this discussion like i know you want to wrap up but I'm well, not no no done. no
1: no no i i'm i'm not i'm not moving on from oh, the show I'm I'm, okay. I'm I'm wondering if and the reason why i ask well i as i was just asking i thought of this one line that he talks about he says there are two sides to every story and you don't know mine mm-hmm. now we don't necessarily get to hear that side of the story. I mean, we get to hear that there was basically some kind of trauma. There was some kind of things that happened in his life and he is having these anxiety attacks almost of knowing he
0: was put in the hole that he dug. Right. That was a story that happened at my my university. What do you mean? That like some guy was buried in the foundation at Mm -hmm. one of my dorm rooms and that his ghost would haunt the people on the basement floor.
1: Really? Yeah. Whoa. We had
0: some crazy ghost stuff happen in my school. That is, that's Rhode aggressive. Island is one of the like ghost capitals of the United States. Yeah, like all
1: the witches, man. There's so many witches. Vampires. In, I, witches. in witches. Yeah. But
0: yeah, like vampires.
1: Yeah, straight up crazy people lived in Rhode Island.
0: Google that when you're about to
1: go to. It bed. was Massachusetts prison for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, there's gonna be some crazy things. Oh, you're happening.
0: crazy. Go to Rhode Island. Go to Rhode
1: Island <laughs> with the with all them people with Roger Williams. Why don't you head over there with them? <laughs> <laughs> that junk <chung> guy. <laughs> Rhode Island is the state that Connecticut and Massachusetts didn't want. It was it was the it was the property that they didn't want. That's and they how... didn't
0: want to be a part of them either, and they tried <laughs> not to be part of the United States.
1: Um, but I I really liked also too uh, something that was even though I didn't believe the emotional math that Stephen Bonnet. Would... Oh, another line. Uh, Hold on,
0: there was a child. You heard that? I didn't hear it. You swear. There was some bumpity bump. I didn't hear it. I'm going to vamp. No, no, that was me. No, it wasn't. It came from up there. I'm telling you, I need you to go check. I'm not checking. I'm not checking if there's a bumpy bump in the middle of the night. Okay,
1: hold on. I'll be right back. Mm -mm -mm. I've got,
0: I've got terrible Taekwondo skills. I've only watched my children in Taekwondo about eight times and they're still a white belt. Okay. All I can do is yes, sir. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about, um, with, by, by myself, maybe with our Facebook friends. Um, the other line that I loved what is, I need something I can't buy, to which Brie responds, A moral compass? Loved it. I'm telling you, Brie has major shade game. So I hope that I hope that others enjoyed her, her shade. Um, and really Sophie Skeleton was just flipping this fantastic. Uh, Stephanie Morse says on Facebook, "It reminded me of an Anne Rice novel. The scenes with Brie on the island. Ooh, yes, love that." Um, and so, I what we're going to be doing? We're going to be we're going to be switching over from from these characters in a hot sec. I think Blake is coming down. He is coming down.
1: So what I was about to say before, oops, sorry, I just hit the mic. Can I just
0: give a moment? Yes. For Joe Casta's couch once again. I know we've talked about her furniture before. Oh, the,
1: the couch and the fancy, fancy Pippin <sighs> uses a fancy, fancy pillow to Pippin kill it. Fancy
0: Pippin like touches, he strokes that coat, that co- um, couch. Gosh, I'm having difficulty with words. Um,
1: <laughs> Keep drinking the leaves. <laughs> he's
0: petting in the couch, you know, just daydreaming that this is going to be his. It's like this deep teal blue color, and I was mm-hmm. like, I'd be doing the same thing. I will be petting that same couch.
1: Yes, yes. Why wouldn't you? With all the embroidery and everything. Do you know that whose was...
0: couch I didn't like.
1: Who? Bonnets. Bonnets. Yeah, the orange, like the burnt the mustard orange, just
0: doesn't do it for me.
1: Yeah, not great, Bob. I was not happy with that one either. Seriously,
0: just um, like the the scenery, the set design, and the costumes just need a moment. Yep. Oh, Claire and Bree's outfit,
1: <laughs> and those couches. Oh. Gorgeous stuff. Enough said. Uh, so there are two more things that I want to mention about about uh, Bree and Bonnet. Um, okay. First, even though I didn't believe the emotional math that, that as I was about to say, that uh, Bonnet couldn't understand that Bree was playing him the entire time, I did like the tension of mm. knowing that Bonnet was able to blow up at any second. And Bree was well aware of that. Yeah. And we, as viewers, were very, were very well aware were of that. Were you
0: worried that he was going to look at the book when he grabbed it from her to, like yes, look to see absolutely. if the picture was a
1: whale? No, I, I thought he could read and he would be able to read the book and be like. Oh,
0: I was worried he was going to see like machine pieces and be like, there's no picture of a whale or a boat.
1: Yeah. What sure. is this? Um, I I thought that he could read and he was just, and that's when he was going to be like, y- I got you. I thought that's what was going to happen. I
0: told Blake it was my second Moby Dick reference. Well, actually the third because we were talking about the whales when Brie and Claire were on the beach. Um, Earlier that day, (laughs) I watched Matilda with my children. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the book that Matilda, a young child, is reading in it.
1: And then the other thing that I want to point to, uh, point out about Bonnet is I talked about setting and setting when it comes to any show is so important whether it is Scotland in if for Outlander in the first few seasons or Downton Abbey right they were talking about your boy Jimmy Downton Abbey as this big beautiful grand house in the English in the English you know countryside or um Breaking Bad with uh with Albuquerque, New Mexico, or Lost with Hawaii. These are settings that you had never seen before, Mm -hmm. and they are all used to the show's advantage in every single case. Ozark is another one, too. I've never seen it. In the Ozarks. Okay. These are settings that are really important to to the life and the DNA of the show. These add things to the show and the story that you're trying to tell. The same thing happens here in this episode. Brie is with bonnet her her nightmare her rapist her her torture Mm -hmm. device and he she is there with him alone of course with some servants in this big enormous grand house where everything is open everything is like massive and she has the freedom to go anywhere she wants but she's still imprisoned because she's on an island She's on an island where nobody can get to unless they have a boat, and Bonnet oh, allows her to go. And it's desolate. You saw the you saw the the house yep. among everything else, and there was nothing there. It was just this massive house. Yep. So even though she is free to do whatever she wants and she is free to go, that right there, she's still imprisoned on this mm-hmm. island. Uh, I thought that was great visual storytelling. Great great um, visual juxtaposition about the story that uh, about the story that she's in.
0: Reminds me a lot um, of Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones. Bonnet does, and the, and the cat and mouse, and just the like flip of a switch. You know what I mean? And just do, just doesn't care. He's, five minutes before in the show. He's ready to live his life with Brie. He's saying, "I felt this connection," and then the moment of the kiss is done, and he's about to go sell her for six pounds.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I could see Ramsey Bolton doing that exactly, but I can't see Ramsey Bolton ever having any kind of emotional relationship with anybody. True. Um, I can't see that.
0: So can we get to everybody else? Yes,
1: yes, yes. Let's do that. Let's absolutely do that. So
0: one of my favorite things in this episode is we got to see Jamie, Claire, Roger, Ian, and Bree coming up with a plan to catch and kill Bree's rapist. Bree's (laughs) finally able to have a say.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And she's down with it. And they break apart. Um, the guys are going to go off and try to take care of everything that's going on and instead... Bonnet doesn't show up but before that happens of course we get to hear Roger talk with Jamie about how he is going to be the one that wants to kill Bonnet. How he's ready. He's ready to do this and I loved this moment between them to see the bromance between Roger and Jamie grow on screen gives me so much joy. Mm -hmm. I love how well the clay matched Ian's skin. (laughs) Holy smokes. When she said clay I'm like our clay around here does not look He had a minute
1: with Mary. I'll tell you that. He did. Oh my goodness. He had all the minutes with Mary on (laughs)
0: So off they go. Um, And it's, of course, not bonnets. It's just his three little henchmen guys that come on in. And what a brawl.
1: Yeah, a good little brawl. And I loved when Roger was trying to fight off this dude. He's like, what, what took you so long? And the, Jamie has this little smirk like, yeah, yeah, you're all right, right. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like,
0: and Jamie does it again. Roger goes, a scene that made me laugh so much in the rewatches was, and it's it shouldn't make me laugh, it's when Roger is beating up Bonnet yeah. and Bree is being consoled by Claire and Jamie. And Jamie's just watching Roger and Bonnet from afar. And I'm thinking, like, Bonnet is such a little weasel. Like, Bonnet could easily have a little knife on him and stab Roger. And Jamie's just there watching.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Because Jamie has faith and also knows that Roger said, this is my fight that I want to have. Right. And Jamie appreciates that rather than, because in my opinion, you know, 2020 woman who doesn't get in fights once again my <laughs> fight skills are eight lessons of children's taekwondo um i would be there i would be like we're in numbers i'm gonna go help roger so he could beat the living daylight out of bonnet and then we could figure out what to do with him i'm not just gonna sit here and like let roger fight his own fight but this was man code sure this is man code this that these guy guys code. have established that you know this is roger's fight and i really thought that was cool so even on the rewatch um it was just to see him do it twice. <laughs> to sure. just like let Roger have these fights by himself is also Jamie teaching his son-in-law like this is how we fight. You fight for life. You, you fight, fight to the death, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's it. There's no holds, no holds barred here. Mm-hmm. And I, I like. I like the callback uh, obviously when Roger was relying on Jamie to be like, Hey, what took you so long and at the end of the episode when we, when Roger has to fulfill his, his role in this, uh, he has to do it himself. Uh, and Jamie allows him to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was great. And again, part of the setting aspect of this show and, and the setting I think is really what makes this episode sing. Um, not only did we have this stuff with Bonnet and Brie and his own Island, but we have the stuff on the beach and the beach is really uh, important. I think to the DNA of this show, How come? because you don't often see an outlander, um, a beach setting. Mm. You don't often see it. Normally, you're used to the rolling hills, you're used to greens, you're used to mountains. The woods. Yeah. Woods, uh, the, the big house, the cabin. That's the language that the show has established. Yet, they're going to a beach here to have a moment um, with Brie and... Uh, and Claire, mm-hmm. you know racing like they did when they were back in the cape so stinking and, and talking about being on being down the cape um you know back in the 60s bringing that moment of time travel back into the show bringing it back into the story hey remember that down the cape when we used to run we used I to love run it. um having this, was my great and and we don't often get a chance to see Bree and 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 Claire. And Claire. Be mother daughter. We don't often see that. So having this time together between the two on the beach is great. But not only is the beach great, the way that they shot it, it was great because it was set so far back. Yes. And the story at this point is much bigger than just Bree and Claire.
0: Unlike season three, where it was like hyper zoomed in on Claire, correct, being you know stuck on this beach, and it was like you know just dread and action. It was so big. Yep. That you got to feel like. We're alone. Right. Which is fun for Claire and Bree. Yes. Get to be alone, chat a little bit about the difference in Wales between now and then. Right. Race.
1: Once again, bringing the time travel aspect into yes. it. Which but then is also important.
0: seeing these grandscapes of beach, realizing where Bonnet is, is a desolate. Right. It was an island where you can't get to easily. And the other
1: the other thing too is that the beach plays into the conversation that eventually Bonnet has uh, with Brie In his house, where he says, uh, you know, creatures go to uh, something along the lines of creatures go to war with each other in at the sea, Uh, Mm -hmm. or 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 something along those lines. Uh, Let me see if I can find it. Oh, when he's Um,
0: talking about his fear of drowning.
1: Uh, yeah, it's just like you know, uh, oh god, I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name of it. I think I thought I had written, but you know, he was saying like the sea is a bad place. Yes, and people fight each other on the sea, and it doesn't it doesn't forgive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And looming over brie and claire are not only these gray skies the storm that is to come that is stephen bonnet but the sea the sea as clear as brie walks into it with her bare feet vulnerable the sea is what is it, it is encapsulating mm-hmm. her and and bonnet's message of of warning uh later on makes sense it is the riptide it's the it's the it's the, the, the waves of fear and anger and the waves of jealousy and hatred and, and wanting and uh, trying to become something other than what you are. All of that stuff is, is wrapping around Brie at that moment. And it's only fitting that they're on the beach because they have this danger of the sea. They have the danger of the gray skies. And Bonnet is coming to them mm. without them knowing. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, that was wonderfully written. Wonderfully shot, yes. uh, it, like you. you Andy Griffin nailed it on that one. You, well done, you, you, Blake. You, you, you can't get any better than that. Oh, you, you I love. You can't get any better than that. Really. I love. It was excellent stuff.
0: So, um,
1: we, so, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh no, I was going to switch gears to when Brie gets taken and the group gets back together. Okay, go ahead. It's not very much, but...
1: Yeah, and, and, and I, I do want to talk about Fancy Pippin in a little bit. So oh. once you get to that okay. and let's talk about Fancy Pippin. <laughs>
0: okay. um, what I did love is how Claire and Jamie kept their cool. Like, Brie was literally just stolen by Bonnet. Mm-hmm. Claire rides her horse and meets with everybody. Bonnet's got her and they go, of course, into town and they figure out that he frequents this brothel. Uh, they go in there. And I was... It, once again, I am so different than Claire because i would have gone and been like help me i'll give anyone any money that you need someone's on my daughter and there they are just keeping their cool you know and granted we can see claire being not super duper cool because we know her right she's kind of freaking out but for the most part keeping her cool much better than i would have been and even going so far as to help that woman realizing she was in need and then able to tie in um you know we help people in need that's what we do it's the right thing to do and I loved that at first Claire was thought of being um, a charm woman like being a witch yet again like Claire just can't shake this you know what I mean just because she has this amazing ability as a healer to see people's physical needs everyone just comes to these conclusions like oh she's got to have some weird magic thing associated (laughs) with her (laughs) rather than Claire being like no your leg is short so you're welcome (laughs) which of course came to be uh, the title card what a great title Yeah. Card.
1: And then again, killing it with the title cards. Things that are pertinent mm-hmm. to the show, but not in your face. Where was, you you almost have to decipher it.
0: were you're sitting there being like, who's gonna wear that shoe? Who's right, that's exact
1: I thought it was gonna be a shoe that Stephen Bonnet was wearing Ooh, or somebody or, or, okay. or, or somebody else was gonna wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was gonna be the case. Um I, you want to talk about Forbes. I do want to talk about Forbes. Okay. But I, in this light when when Claire and and uh and Bree are going to get the the glass blown for oh, the tube, yeah. I did not like the scene at all. And it's not because of the acting, it's okay. not because of whatever. And I don't it's that's not because I don't like the idea of them going to get, trying to make this syringe. Okay. It was just so ex- expository and it was so like, oh, okay, just so everybody understands what we're doing. <laughs> I have to explain this to the guy why okay. we're getting ev- why we're getting all of this made and putting it all together. It's like eesh, that was bad. Okay, he felt like it
0: was choppy. That yeah. was, and the
1: choppy wasn't even the word. It was just like I when that was how not how it opened, but it was pretty close to how the episode opened. And I was like, oh, this is not how this episode's going to go. What I it? felt
0: weird about is how she was like, oh, you know, the doctor needs it meaning she wasn't the doctor yeah. and then later on she says i prefer glass it's much easier to sterilize sure and he's kind of looking at her and i'm like claire be
1: quiet <laughs> be
0: quiet claire um but like you said too they have to lay it down that um you know the needle hasn't that needle hasn't been created yet. Yeah. So I agree with what you're saying. It's kind of like they need to kind of like throw in these facts and remind people that this is what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um. I can appreciate
1: that. So, I'm still
0: looking for the pie hussy. Where is yeah, she? Yeah. Where
1: is the pie hussy?
0: Maybe she's married to the glass blower.
1: I, <laughs> um. So yeah, I I thought that was scene was very bad, but I I do want to talk about Fancy Pippin here. Did you find this scene with Fancy Pippin? Forbes, Forbes, uh, but we call him Fancy Pippin. We do. Thank you, Janine, for that one. Um, We, do you think you find this scene to be a little too much? Just a little much. Yeah, it's my bad. Yeah, I know, but like, (laughs) I know, but just was there any way that could make that work? Mm. especially in light of what was happening with Brie and Bonnet the whole time. And like all of a sudden, the guy just goes off the rails and tries to kill her right then did and there. Did you like, get
0: from the show- that How was Forbes, he going to explain that? Did you get from the show that Forbes wanted to marry Jocasta?
1: No. Because
0: um, he says, like you're keeping my money from me. No,
1: no, no. Because remember, he was supposed to get 20% of whatever Bonnet No, I got. know. I okay, know. All right, all right, but right.
0: Jocasta says something like- yeah, you, you didn't marry Brianna, and I'm you know he or he or Joe has to say it. Where it's like I was supposed to marry Bri, and then I was then you chose Duncan Innis over me. So did you pick up in the show ever that Forbes wanted to marry? Oh Jocasta?
1: no, no, no! I never got that. I never got that. And in, in fact, I thought he only wanted to marry Bri, and that was the so.
0: End. That took me out where I was like this, this what.
1: This doesn't make sense, and and the fact Fancy that Pippin, the fact that he he just all of a sudden like I liked him getting mad, yes. I loved the idea of him getting mad, being like okay, yeah, are you writing to everything her.
0: down? Mm-hmm. Uh
1: huh, yeah, I scribble, am. Scribble, scribble, scribble. Yep, um, I liked that. I thought that was great, um, but him all of a sudden just coming to decide to straight up murder her, I like, dude, how how are you gonna how are you gonna even explain that?
0: I mean, a lot of people sadly do murder like without thinking it
1: through. I I agree. But all of a sudden just to turn, this guy is a man of, of stature and wealth apparently within the community. I don't he think has, he's got that much wealth. Maybe he doesn't, but he still has influence within the community. Yes. Like he didn't, again, the whole thing, the emotional math, this guy Forbes didn't get there by being stupid. And the same thing with Bonnet. He didn't get there by being stupid. And all of a sudden these two are doing things that are genuinely, genuinely stupid and I I get angry with that because it's like, come on, man! I don't think this would happen. I'm glad he got what was coming to him from from your boy um, from, from um, Ulysses. Ulysses, thank you. I'm glad he got what he was what he had what was what was coming to him. I'm glad, but it just felt like the fancy pippin it's scene... It's different than
0: the book. Does that make it better for you? No,
1: it okay. doesn't. Um, <laughs> it doesn't because I don't care what the book does. Okay, I care so, about what the show does. Are you
0: ready for this? Y'all ready? Can I give an outlandish theory? If it like is something that already happened. Uh, not really happening in the present or future
1: uh just throw it on in. give me a sound give me a sound all right hold on hold on here it is
0: i am so excited to hear what other people think about this okay okay so jocasta was like the happiest i've ever seen her outside of the bedroom i know where
1: you're going with this i know where you're going continue
0: okay I think she was egging him on. I don't think she thought he would kill her because exactly this is fancy freaking Pippin. Okay? She probably didn't think he'll kill me, but I think that she was egging him on to get a reaction out of him because Yes. Okay? What we are told is that when Jamie's bit by the snake and he tells Roger, you know, Bonnet's coming after you. And he wants River Run because he knows that Jamie's going to get it. And um, we know all this stuff. And Lord John Gray's seen him. And then Roger tells Bree this stuff. Who the... What in the freaking world? Like, how does James Fraser and Lord John Gray and now Roger and Bree, how do they know that Bonnet's coming after their kid? How do they know that Bonnet wants Riverrun? Who is the only person, aside from Jamie and Ulysses, who was in that room, who that knows that Jamie's going to get Riverrun? Right, right. It's Forbes. So, obviously, Jamie... Probably told Jocasta, like, hey, just so you know, this creepy guy Bonnet, who you know, raped Bree, who you hung out with for the better part of a year, um, is planning on somehow coming to get River Run. And put two and two together. The only other person who knows that is Forbes. <laughs> so Jocasta kept her freaking cool because, and, and this is what's weird. I don't know if this is going to come up later in the show or if we're just supposed to put these puzzle pieces together, but like, how would Jamie. And Lord John, like how would these puzzle pieces have been put together otherwise? So I think Jocasta was playing Forbes. I think that Ulysses was nearby on purpose to catch Forbes, hopefully cracking and being like, Oh no, you got me, but not killing Jocasta. I don't think they expected that. I I think there's trying to, I
1: think there's potential for that to be the case that if that's, if that is the case, it's the show being very smart with itself in that, They could explain it next episode.
0: That's what I'm hoping, because otherwise, how are Jane? Like, how is everyone supposed to know this? And then, how would they not warn Jocasta? And Jocasta just acted really, really giddy.
1: If if this isn't a planned thing, that to me, I don't know. It it doesn't feel. Like Maybe Lord
0: John Gray comes back next episode with a Sherlock Holmes hat and pipe and is like, so glad you guys heeded my advice after all of my right, right. detective work, <laughs> that the only person in the room that knew about this was Forbes. Glad Ulysses took care of that. Right,
1: right. So I, I think there's potential there for, for them to address this next episode if that is the case. If If it was planned out, the plan didn't work out all that well because she almost croaked and Ulysses came yeah. in at the very last second.
0: Yeah. So, Not well planned, Cast and Ulysses. So
1: there, there's some plot holes here. There are some things that just don't add up. Uh, like, but she was loving it. Yeah, she seemed to be enjoying every second of she it.
0: She could hear it in his voice. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. She's really
0: like, uh, oh, you know what? <laughs> Young Ian's had a rough start. Give him two.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, so we have a we have a we have a person here. Michelle. Um, she says on YouTube, "I'm worried what happens to Ulysses now." Uh, here's an early outlandish theory. Mm. Early outlandish theory is nothing happens to Ulysses. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> the reason why I say nothing happens is because he is in the care of Jocasta. She seems to have a lot of standing within the community. She's got enough money to buy his freedom if, he, if she if he really needs it. Trust me, nothing happens to him. There's no chance. Interesting. That's my thought on that.
0: Uh, but for my um, oh, can I also just give a shout out to my chiropractor? Oh sure, go ahead. Watching Claire touch that woman's hips, <laughs> did it make you think
1: oh, of, the sm- of her sacrum was way off? Doctor
0: Megan, oh seriously, yes. oh, I was yeah. like, oh man, first world problems, but man, COVID nineteen, you are keeping me off kilter with my <laughs> own alignment, and I need a Claire to come and like adjust me. I actually just, just, just learned bit. that
1: chiropractors are essential practice. Oh <laughs> my. It's so funny. I heard that today. I can't believe you brought this up. That's incredible. Where are going? I uh, don't oh, know.
0: Oh my goodness. Probably, probably better for, especially yes, because now we're like, we're pseudo quarantine because of your exposure.
1: Um, okay. Um, oh, and what? just,
0: let's just like raise a glass for the ship captain who even though he's a dirty rotten scoundrel, I'll take my leave. Yeah. I'm going. <laughs> He and Lad, hey, whoever Lad was. look at the time. Let's just keep on going. I love how they, they showed him like three extra times where he was like, all right, um, Lad, go get the boat. Yeah. And then like Roger and, and um, Bonnet are fighting and everything. Okay, let's go. Let's go back to the boat, but Lad, like, <laughs> <laughs> random ship captain, bye. See ya, you're oh, done.
1: Oh man, that's so funny. All right, anything else you got for this episode that you want to talk about real quick?
0: As you look over your notes. Oh, I did picture... I did picture Lord John Gray sitting in the pub that Bonnet and Forbes would frequent covered in a cloak like the guy in Lord of the Rings. Like they're just having these conversations in the brothel all the time in public. And I'm just picturing John Gray because, of course, wedding season's kind of off right now. He oh, is, yeah, yeah, his no, his no. whole calendar is kind of free. Yes. And, you know, isn't any shopping to do right now. Um, you know, the glass guy keeps trying to get him to buy bottles, but he's like, I don't need any more bottles, man. So he's just like creeping with a big hood.
1: Like stri- it was a Strider. That with, was yeah, the name. Strider
0: with like his perfect ponytail <laughs> hidden. So yeah. so his telltale sign is not with, the, with a perfect bow that he has to tie by himself.
1: You know Unless, he does.
0: Oh, he can do that.
1: Oh yeah, no, he, he can do it. Like behind. it's like
0: people who can French braid their own hair perfectly. Eyes closed. Yep,
1: yep. He can do that. Lord
0: John Grey. We know what he's been up to. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's been Strider from Lord of the Rings, just chilling in <laughs> just the corner
1: with the hood, with the pipe. Take down all these notes. It was
0: Forbes in the brothel.
1: <laughs> now he's playing Clue. <laughs> <laughs> he figured it out with the fancy pillow. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anything else you got That's for it, this episode? Love. All right. Well, let's get to my own Linish theory. All right. So I don't know where the show goes from here. Um, where and, are
0: you going?
1: Um, Dave Matthews? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm all about the Dave Matthews life. That a girl. Uh, keep drinking. <laughs> keep drinking, my, gr- my girl. All right. Um, so I don't know where the show goes from here. Uh, it's not to say that it doesn't... Look,
0: first off, Lord John Gray has to come back.
1: Yeah, of course he has to come back. What else is he doing? He's, he, he, the wedding season's over. You know he... Pfft, come on. No, no. He's coming back. Um, I don't know where it goes from here. And it's not to say that the show can't go somewhere interesting. It's the biggest thing that they've building up to for the past two seasons is now gone. It is gone. Stephen Bonnet is you gone. Is it the
0: same thing when when Jack Randall died.
1: No. Uh, Yes, but this is different because I know that there 's more story going to happen, and it 's within this season. Black Jack Randall dies at the beginning of season three hashtag spoilers so you knew <laughs> <laughs> like. you 're welcome <clears throat> um, you know you know that they were they were leading to bigger things for season three when Black Jack Randall dies. This thing here is, I don't know what they're going to do for the remaining two episodes because there seems to be a little bit of a of, of a black hole here. Like, mm. okay, where do we go? Yeah. Unless, unless what they're doing is they're opening up room for mm. what happens next season. Mm. And that's part of my outlandish theory here. So it means that they must be getting to something big. Something big must be coming down the road. And... Because they needed to kill off Stephen Bonnet early enough to give this big thing some weight. Uh, something that will give you the the emotional math that adds up that says, okay, this makes sense. I see why they killed Bonnet. Are you th- like
0: landing your point sometime soon? Oh, my God. <laughs> Play in the plane, Helen.
1: Yes, thank you, Mary. Uh, so part of me thinks back to Ian's words about Claire and Jamie having secrets. Mm. And part so of me... Secrets are no fun. Uh, part of me thinks that I think he knows that they're from the future. Mm, and tasty. if you recall, Otter Ottertooth uh, Otter was in the tribe that, you know, he was in the Mohawk. And he knew about travel and all of this stuff. Part of me thinks that Ian has been given that knowledge somehow. And Ian knows it and he's confronting them. So they have to tell Ian that they're from the future and this is going to cause some big issues they're going to have to come clean this is going to cause some big issues within the little community that they've created and more importantly to that end since they since Ian will now know that they're from the future he's going to say to Bree what are you doing here what what are you like you just almost got killed and Jemmy almost got taken tell me
0: more about these boston cream pies
1: <laughs> um I wonder if they find out by season's end. I think I've said this before, but I'm 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 this I'm I'm putting it I'm putting it down here. This was in this was in take development. This is going to be real life now.
0: Okay.
1: They find out that Jimmy by season's end is a traveler somehow, and they make the decision at the end of this season. Bree and Roger with Jemmy to go back, and that is what the big thing that they're leading up to is these two going back with Jemmy and they get pushed, they, they push themselves in that direction. Mm. And we don't necessarily leave with them like going to the stones, but I think it's the decision of like, okay, we're, we're going. And that's that. And then it ends. That's my, that's my feeling on it. And they wake up with the dinosaurs.
0: Land of the lust. <laughs> <laughs> no. No! Nice!
1: That's my girl. Uh, Marvin, what do you think about that? Interesting. Mock me. Please hang up and try again. So that is it. Uh, you got final thoughts for this episode, Mary?
0: I really enjoyed
1: it. I, You know, I enjoyed it too. I think there was some glaring issues that were in it, but I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it based on Ed Spillia's charisma alone.
0: And it will be interesting to see what happens with the Jocasta storyline.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought that she was actually dead. For a second, because I was like, "Okay, that's the end of Jocasta,"
0: and like, oh, I was, and, and Ulysses just like kissing her hand. Oh, I know, <gasps> sweet melt my thing. Heart. Oh sweet my goodness! Thing.
1: I thought that was going to be. I oh. thought. I thought that she was going to be dead. Jemmy was going to get the river run, and then Bree and Roger were going to move into River Run, and then like the whole world was going to be back to normal again. Like I thought that's what was going to happen, but now that Jocasta's alive, I don't see that happening. you are just gonna have to watch. We're gonna see. We're going (laughs) to see. All right, you ready to close this bad boy out? Yes, I am. Let's do it.
0: To us, uh, we would love for you to find your podcast app of choice on your phone. Search for Outlander, find Outlander Cast, and click subscribe.
1: Yeah, go to OutlanderCast, click click it there, find it. Uh, give us some reviews on iTunes or any of the podcatchers that you're going at. And if you like Mary and Blake and you like what we do uh, and the things that we are bringing to the table, you can search us at maryandblake.com where you can find all of our podcasts that are there that are, that include The Crown, uh, Hamilton, Game of Thrones, The Leftovers, a Parenting Podcast is a Minute with Mary podcast, uh, talking about network marketing. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's happening there. We're even doing a Handmaid's Tale uh, blog series that I'm writing, which I'm very proud of. I just started season three, by the way, which I'm I'm in on it. And if you also want to continue to get more things from Mary and I, you can go to outlandercastclan.com where you can get a whole bunch of cool perks man you can get free swag you can get early access to our episodes you get a free extra episode of Mary and Blake every single week during season of Outlander which by the way if you are watching us live we will be doing in about 10 minutes after this so go to outlandercastclan.com and check out the after doc show that is the extra episode that you get weekly during the Outlander season just an informal uh, show between Mary and I where we talk about some things outlanded, but really we're talking about a whole bunch of stuff that happens in our lives, and uh, it's a good behind-the-scenes, personal personal experience. show experience with Mary and I. You want to learn more about us and our lives, that's where you got to go. So to you
0: go to dog. outlandercastclan.com. And if you join now uh, at the Klansmen above level, you'll be able to participate in after. I can't wait. Oh, about,
1: what what uh, snacks are we going to have? I don't
0: know. We're so running low, but I do have some options. Okay, good. Um, I it's do, all about the snacks. I do want to thank um, those of you who've taken the time to write a review. Those of you who are still listening right now, if you're on iTunes, can you please leave us a review? Because <laughs> the top, the most <laughs> oh, recent review. Yeah. Is by this person named Bixie123, who wrote, Stop singing during the podcast. It is so creepy and screams, I'm a narc.
1: singing scream that you're a knock. <laughs> I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know, but it
0: breaks my heart and it's so mean and Bixie is writing mean things during a pandemic. Oh Leave me alone, Bixie. God. So I wanted to uh, shout out Cheyenne Cheyenne who said, just perfect. Couldn't ask for anything more in a podcast about Outlander. So thank, thank you. you, Cheyenne Cheyenne and Bixie123. I'm sorry you don't Bixie, like my singing. you can
1: screw, okay? You can legitimately go get your shine box, Bixie. No, Bixie, Bixie, we're gonna, Bixie. No, no, we're going to
0: Stop. Bixie Bixie obviously listens. We're
1: going to, I don't care. I don't care now. That's it. You're out. You're out of the circle of trust. <laughs> so if someone could
0: write another review, that would make me Go get happy. your shine
1: box. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to kill, we're going to, Mary's going to still keep singing. It's why
0: I didn't sing Beauty and the Beast. You should Even should've. though that's all I wanted to do
1: when Brie <laughs> entered the room. Because
0: how perfect is Beauty and he is a beast. It was perfect.
1: Um, uh, also too, if you get a chance, go to the Mary and Blake Facebook page and leave us a review there. There's been a lot of great reviews as of late on the Mary and Blake Facebook page. Oh, thank you guys. Uh, so, if you're watching there live right now, please go ahead and uh, check us out there too, where we have a lot of cool things that happened in Mary and I's lives, a lot of good behind the scenes stuff in the studio and uh, with, with just us in general, and movies and shows and the things that, the random things that come to our minds. So. It is excellent. Something that we want to do.
0: I also want to thank all of our patrons at OutlanderCastClan.com. You guys honestly keep this going, especially in times like this when um, you know our fiscal security in the company is is a little scary. We yep. really appreciate your taking the time uh, to help support us in whatever way you can. So we want to thank our... Associate Producers, Angie, Candy, Carolyn, Celine, Christine, Dawn, Diane, Jeffrey, Jennifer, Karen, Marilyn, Moe, Patricia, Siobhan, Stephanie, and Valerie, as well as our co-producers, Amanda, Anley, Barbara, Dana, Janet, Keelan, Lori Ellen, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Sharon, Tina, and Whitney. And last but not least, our Executive Producers, Anne, Bobby, Dee, Eliza, Jen, Katie, Kirsty, Martha, Nadra, Peg, and Sarah.
1: Thank you guys so much. Everybody, I really appreciate it. Some people here are saying, Go home, Bixie, you're drunk. <laughs> oh, that was good stuff.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you guys. So thank you. Seriously, from the bottom of the heart. We're gonna wrap this on up. All right, so, um, but, but we will be on on Thursday with the listener feedback episode. Yes. You can find everything that we do at maryandblake.com. And for now, my name is Mary.
1: My name's Blake, and I don't have the coronavirus.
0: <laughs> and you've been listening to Outlander Cast.